HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. Today's program was brought to you by 100 Bogart Street, the brand new co-working space in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Learn more at 100Bogart.com. My name is Hannah Forden. I'm the membership coordinator at Heritage Radio Network, but even before I joined the team, I loved listening to HRN during my subway commute. It made the time go quickly and left me feeling inspired for the day ahead. HRN listeners tune in from all over the world, but there are a few traits that we all have in common, no matter where we listen from. A curious palate, the fierceness to make a difference, and a hunger for lifelong learning about the culinary world. As you know, Heritage Radio Network is a listener-supported nonprofit. To deliver the most ambitious, entertaining, and of-the-moment stories in 2018, we need your help. We need to raise $150,000 by December 31st to accomplish these goals and to keep your favorite shows on the air. Together, we can make this HRN's most exciting, impactful, and delicious year yet. Become a member by donating today. Join us at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate, and you'll immediately start enjoying benefits such as VIP invitations to HRN events, where you will mix and mingle with your favorite hosts. Memberships also make a perfect holiday gift for all the foodies in your life. This year, why not give the gift of food radio? You'll hear your generosity in action for the year to come. Help keep our lights on and our mics hot by pledging your support today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for listening. to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It's Wednesday, December 6, 2017. This is the 162nd episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the editor-in-chief at a major glossy food magazine, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, we, we will start out with my PR tip. 
And then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to embrace print. Yes, we've all heard people say print is dead and it's all, ab- it's all about the internet now. But let's not really believe that. Print is not going anywhere. A physical newspaper or magazine brings joy and value to many. And to PR clients, hard copy press placements can be keepers. So as we continue to become more and more attached to our smartphones and computers, let's not take for granted the beauty of paper. There will always be value in a publication that you can hold and cherish. That's my tip today. Now, I'm super excited to have my guest in the studio with me. It is Miley Carpenter. She is the founding editor-in-chief of Food Network Magazine, a joint venture between Hearst Magazines and Food Network. The magazine launched in 2008 and quickly became the best-selling food title on newsstands. Prior to joining Hearst, Miley was the executive editor of Every Day with Rachel Ray, and I met her many years ago when she was at Time Out New York. She is a, has a journalism degree from the UNC Chapel Hill and a culinary degree from FCI in New York. She's a two-time James Beard Award nominee and won a Beard Award for magazine feature writing. And she lives in Manhattan with her husband, Chef Wiley Dufresne, who listeners may certainly know, and her two daughters. So thank you for coming on the show. Welcome, Miley. Thanks for having me. And thanks for being a print lover. You could <laughs> yeah. not have said anything better to start oh, this show. Oh, <laughs> awesome. You know, I do these tips every week, and I'm like, I don't think I've done that one. How could I have not oh, done that one? It's, it's close to my heart. <laughs> yeah, it's fitting, too. So I'm glad. I'm glad, and I, I, I believe it, you know? Oh, I do, too. I mean, we talk about this all the time at the magazine, and, you know, we I go out um, with our publisher to talk to people, you know, ad buyers, and um, I went to one of my mentors at Hearst, and I said, you know, what should I, what should I say when people are saying, well, we're putting our money elsewhere or in digital? And he said, you know, you need to remind people that um, you can get information online, but magazines are about inspiration. So, you know, if you go searching for whatever, something, you know, some sort of basic in- cooking information, of course you can find it online. But if you want to sort of sit back and get inspired about what you want to make, you fall into a magazine. And I thought that was such a simple way to put yeah, it. Yeah, no, I... I- I think that is a simple way to put it and makes sense. So you studied journalism. Did you did you always know you wanted to be a writer and work in in publishing? Um, I always knew the writing part. I started a little school newspaper in second grade. So that part was <laughs> that part I knew. The food part came later and then I went to French well it was then called French Culinary now it's right, the National the ICC, Center. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when I started there, that was kind of a deciding point where I was like, well, am I going to go into food or am I going to stay in, in writing and, and just focus on food? And it took me like one night in the kitchen to know that there was no way I could <laughs> handle being in a restaurant. But I loved the I loved the industry. So that's how it all happened. Yeah. So so but a little with with your background with before before after college, you did you move Back to here, New York, or um, you? I went to journalism school in, in North Carolina, yeah. and I was just straight up um, n- journalist, newspaper writer. So I was kind of on that track where it's sort of like the military; you just they keep moving you to different papers, and you go to bigger and bigger papers. So I was, I was based at the, uh, I was at the Raleigh News and Observer, and um, someone came down from New York uh, recruiting for Time Inc. And I went up there, and then when I realized I could go to culinary school at night, it all, it yeah, all made sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I, as I said in in my my 
my whatever version of bio for you. I, I mean, I think back of that's how I met you at Time Out New York. Uh, and you were there for a, how long? A couple uh, years? Yeah, like three years. Yeah. And I'm, what was that? What was that like? I mean, it's it's a weekly publication. And it was as a, as a publicist who works mostly with restaurants. I mean, Time Out New York has always been, you know, a, a major a major publication for food news I- in the city. When you remember those days, it was so different back then. It mm-hmm. feels. I mean, now this is going to make me sound old because when we were when I me was too. working, <laughs> <laughs> but we're young at heart. Um, when when I was working there, you remember this? There we weren't fighting for any online cover. It was all about just who would break, uh, who would come out with the new restaurants each week. So we would wait for when we were fought with New York Magazine mm-hmm. at the time. It was Time Out in New York, and you know we would talk to you guys about um, what was coming up and kind of hope that we got the first scoop. But um, it was an exciting time. Yeah, yeah, it was. And so after that, you went to Every Day with Rachel Ray. That's right. Yes. Okay. Um, that also was that was a that was an exciting time and just in print magazines and it was the um, you know it was a it was a project that sort of perfectly led to to launching Food Network magazine because it was you know taking someone who really had a presence in the food world and translating a, a person I mean it was a different it was different to translate a brand into print right. but to take a person and kind of put them you know translate that voice into print was was what we had yeah. to do for her and then it became how do you translate a whole bunch of voices in one brand into print and how so yeah because you were you're not just the editor-in-chief of a food network magazine you were the founding editor-in-chief so so what was the process like of putting together a magazine with an established tv exactly. in a way it's a gift right Channel. because you had this yeah. you had this incredibly powerful brand people knew it it had been around for i think it was 16 years when we launched thereabouts um so when we when we were t- going out to focus groups to talk to them, they knew this brand so intimately. In fact, one woman in a, in a focus group, she's like, "Oh yeah, I've bought that magazine. I've seen it many times." I was like, "No, you haven't. We <laughs> doesn't don't, exist. We don't exist yet." <laughs> but it was so familiar to them that they felt that they already had it, and so it you know that makes it an easy launch in some ways and a very difficult one in others because people had huge expectations. They were this brand was something they knew very well, and they kind of had they had in their minds what it was going to be but that was true for me too I mean honestly when Hearst first um, called me I was working at Rachel and they said you know we're, we're interested in a food magazine can you come talk to us but they wouldn't tell me what it was and oh, so really? I, I went through this interview and I knew they were interested and they said you know just go put some toge- ideas together for us and that's a hard thing to do when you don't know what the focus is so they said if there was going to be a new food magazine what would it be like in your mind and um then they called later and they said, okay, you know, sign an NDA. This is a project we're thinking about with Food Network. The minute they said Food Network, I mean, I've been watching it for years. In fact, when I was um, a writer at the Raleigh News Observer, I begged to go write, come to New York and write a story about Food Network oh, wow. launching mm-hmm. when the network first came to be and kind of plead to get it to come to Raleigh. So I'm a longtime lover of the network and it just, once they said those two words, I could kind of visualize what it would be. Yeah. So, uh, well, what what was that visualization? How has and and then how has the magazine has it changed over the years? Yeah. I mean, I think at first, um, what what was eye opening for us is that so I was coming from Rachel. And we were looking at this super crowded market of food magazines. I mean, Gourmet was still around, and you know everybody was on fire at the time. And so we were looking in terms of Food Network for this vertical space in the market. So we had kind of women's service magazines, and then you had these really aspirational food magazines like Gourmet. And we thought we'd fall somewhere in between. So we went out and talked to um, 
all these focus groups. And what we learned was that people weren't looking for that. They were saying the reason they liked Food Network, and this hadn't dawned on me as a fan, was that they got all these different voices from very simple stuff up to like watching Iron Chef and watching really complicated cooking techniques. And that was, they were saying, you know, I don't cook in one way, I cook in all these different ways. And so magazines had sort of said, okay, we need to do food for a woman who needs a, you know, fit 20 minute meal on a weeknight. And then other magazines were doing these kind of elaborate stories. And they liked Food Network because it was all of that in the same person who would need a 20 minute meal on Monday would go out and spend the entire day buying cheese and wine and producing a huge fancy feast mm-hmm. and like would be willing to try a big cooking project. So they wanted kind of all that in one place and Food Network was doing that on air. So that gave us some direction for the magazine to kind of do this wider range of cooking than we thought we would do in the first place. Yeah, so so do you is it, so is the magazine only chefs that are on the Food Network? No, I mean um we no, definitely not. Okay. I mean, th- of course, on on the cover and um, you know some of the the bigger features, but um, we often do stories where we'll just do you know like the chefs' fifty greatest Italian cooking tips, and we'll go to chefs and restaurants right. all over the country and ask them for their greatest tips. So okay. no, it's not. So it limited doesn't have to, to be exclusive. To I mean, I would say we keep it um, to kind of friends of the network. If that right, makes right. Sense. That makes sense. <laughs> and I saw. I mean, from flipping through the magazine being there's there are different features on many of of the food network chefs even their their tips on on i don't know there was a, something with the questions like you know of readers questions of mm-hmm. of on cooking and then and then certain features so how do you work with like how do you how do you plan an issue does it do you look at what's currently running on on the network? We, so one concern we had when we launched was the last thing we wanted to do was kind of flatten the network, right? It's very right. exciting to watch the network. You have all yeah. these chefs. It's super energetic. And so we, di- we, we intentionally did not take shows and turn them into columns or even the chefs and give them columns because we didn't want it to feel like we just, okay, let's just put the network in print. What we we have to do more now, more than we ever have before, because of you know the way digital and social are, are working and and how many distractions there are now, is really like it's really played at the strength of print, and so that's about big beautiful images and letting people kind of fall into stories and doing less of these like really tidbitty sidebars that we used to do. Mm-hmm. So we're doing more of that, and then in terms of the chefs, um, you know, we like like I said, we kind of try to do a mix of Food Network chefs and other chefs around the country, and then we, we mix up the content. So maybe you're used to seeing a chef cook on the air all the time. Well, we're going to take you and show you their house and how they decorated all the rooms in their house, They're not just the kitchen, but elsewhere, too. So it's it's about seeing different parts of their lives, too. Yeah, no, it's it's the content. The content's great, and from... Um, I, 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 you would know probably the stat better than me, but it, it is the the most subscribed in the in the food category of magazines. The crazy stat is it for it's the um, it's the second best selling magazine on on newsstands. Period for all categories. Wow. So I mean that's that incredible. speaks to the power of the brand, really. You know, and 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 the the fan base for Food Network. But um, yeah, it's even for all fashion books and yeah, all of that. So that's. It's- that's incredible. No, congratulations. I mean, that's that says a lot. And on that awesome note, we're going to take a break. So stay with us. This is Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market believes in seeking out local, fresh, and seasonal food and in supporting local farmers, makers, and the community as a whole, economically and agriculturally. Whole Foods Market believes in food that is vivid and colorful, fresh and full of nutrients. Food that connects you to your body, the seasons, and to nature. Food that helps you do more, sleep better, and wake up happier. Found in over 400 locations throughout the United States, Whole Foods Market only sells food that meets their standards, which means no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or sweeteners, ever. Whole Foods Market believes in real food. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Miley Carpenter. She's the editor-in-chief of Food Network magazine. And you are also the editor-in-chief of New Pioneer Woman magazine. Yes. You want to tell tell us about that? Because that's, that's a new project. It is. We are... Um we put out two issues um, this year, and we are producing four more next year with Reed Drummond, who has, I mean, she is just a phenomenon. I don't know how familiar you are with Reed. Well, she, she is the pioneer woman, right? That's <laughs> like, that. I mean, I mean, I know that's, I don't know if that was like how she started like an Instagram handle or what it was, but that... I, I'm, I know her name through that. She just came up through the blog world, and what's been so interesting about this is I think the part of her, well, I know a lot of her appeal is that she really, she's, she built this from the ground up. You know, she started a blog, she gained a huge following for it. Um, that then led to a show on Food Network. She now has a super successful line of housewares at Walmart and um, hugely successful cookbooks. So this all kind of led to a magazine but um Amazing. But she is still <laughs> like she is truly authentic and I think you can't say enough about that these days I think you know people are looking for authenticity in, in the world of fake news and and everything else to find right. something that's real that you can trust and I mean she is she is truly the real deal we flew out there the first time to meet with her before we um started working on the first issue and she lives in, in Pawhuska Oklahoma on this unbelievable cattle ranch i mean you know uh, the acreage is just mind-blowing and um you know she said do you want to go out uh, with lad in the morning lad is her cowboy husband um and so lad took us out you know he showed up i was like he's dressed like a cowboy and then i was like no he's actually he a, cow- a cowboy <laughs> he's, he's really a cowboy you know and so we stayed in the truck but he did his thing and rounded up the cattle i mean he's out there working every day and she is taking care they have four kids but her story is such a I, i'm sure a lot of people know this story but she was um she was living in la and kind of headed to law school and stopped in Oklahoma to get everything in order and figure out what she was going to do. She was probably headed to Chicago and met Lad. Oh, wow. At a, at a bar. And, and that was it. Um, she, she then stayed with him and he has, he's, you know, I I don't know how many generations back that drum and ranch goes, but she, she fell in love with him. They got married, have four kids. And then she became many years later, the pioneer woman and She's just out there, you know, doing it. And now she has a magazine. That's like, yeah, that's like, it's very inspirational. It is. And her, her fan base is so, they're so kind and so um, 
inspiring. I, I was watching what happened when we launched, and it was, um, you know, we had to go back to press. The issue sold out instantly, and we went back on press for the first issue. Then we produced even more for the second. But people were just, like, going crazy trying to get their hands on it because they're such huge fans of hers, and they wanted to find it. But then you could watch the... The, all the comment fields and it's like oh if you can't find one I've got one at my local store and I'll mail it to you they're just really like lovely people yeah that's and how many issues are you doing so we'll do four next year okay um, we did two this year and um, you know we keep flying out though it takes us a whole day to get there <laughs> <laughs> I almost died from a rattlesnake oh my god <laughs> on our, on our cover. <laughs> we were shooting the cover and I was like all of a sudden I turn around and this little kid is like stabbing a snake with a with a piece of wood and his sister like pulls out a switchblade to cut the rattle off and I was like wow this is we are really we are in Oklahoma we're not in New York City anymore <laughs> like I'm I, I'm an idiot I have like my Converse low tops on and like next time I'm wearing boots <laughs> at least you weren't wearing heels I guess <laughs> but so so what's so how do you manage all of this like what's a day in the life or I'm sure every day is probably different but I think I just choose what to fail at each day. Oh, so I'm no. like, okay, today I'm like, my kids are going to have chicken nuggets <laughs> for dinner. <laughs> Why and I are getting takeout. I mean, we eat a lot of takeout for two people who actually know how to cook. It's sort of, it's embarrassing. That's, that's research. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, we were ordering the meal. We we started last year. We were ordering meal kits. Yeah, to, uh, oh, really? If you can't believe. Like, shouldn't we be able to cook dinner? So we we were ordering meal kits, and then we were fighting over who had to actually just assemble the meal kit. It's hysterical. So, uh, no, yeah, it's a sad state of affairs. <laughs> yeah. So so I guess a day in the life is always different. Um, yes, that's a hard, yes, that's a hard question. Or, but, um, yeah, with juggling, I don't know, juggling just the between the different magazines, between all the content and and and, all, and like, what's your your turnaround time? I mean, I remember back. I don't know. I mean, is it? Are you still like? What issue are you working on now? Are well, you, for monthlies, I mean, we're looking, we're planning spring issues right okay. now. So it is a little hard because we're in. You know, holidays are everywhere. But we did that this summer. We made all our turkeys right. and all our holiday cookies this summer, and now we're thinking about. You know, Easter. Easter. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always a little off. And then when the real holiday comes around, I'm like, well, I already did this. I know I did this already. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, to, I mean, I, I I can't lie that my job is, you know, I work a normal day. We're not we're not we're staying till midnight or anything. We all have families. But, um, um, yeah, it's, it's a little crazy. I will say this, though, that everyone's so passionate about Pioneer Woman. And it's, such, it's so nice to work in print and see such excitement about a new product that people mm-hmm. are, are – that makes it easier. Yeah, across the board. Where Where is Pioneer Woman magazine available? Is it Is it at Is it the, the same first, distribution as Food Network? Um, it's not quite as wide. It will keep getting wider. Um, you can subscribe uh, the Pioneer Woman magazine dot com. Okay, has, um, all the information about subscribing, and then it was sold. The first issue was sold exclusively at Walmart, and then we went wider with the second, but on newsstands, on bookstore newsstands. Okay. People can look for it. I need to look for it. Um, well, let me ask you. You touched on on feeding your kids a bit. So, oh, that. <laughs> well, I do my tie-in question from questions. So, I, I asked my guest on my last show. I had on Jonas Anderson. He's the beverage director at Myers USA, which is a hospitality group founded by Danish culinary entrepreneur Klaus Meyer. So, I had asked him to ask you a question. So, his question is. How do you get your family or kids excited about eating different things? 
Oh, this is the hardest thing. I, I've failed. I've failed at this in such I a know. spectacular way. No, 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 <laughs> for real. Um, you know, when we first had kids, I think in Wiley's mind, they were going to be the most extraordinary eaters, and they were going to try all these different... We had, um, she just left, but we had for a long time a, a Russian nanny, and for whatever reason, they would only eat the food she made. So nothing that Wiley or I made, they, they would just, not nothing. I mean, not lasagna, not tacos, no mac and cheese, nothing. They'd eat borscht and, you know, meatballs and any anything that she created. She's gone now, so they literally so they only don't eat, eat like pizza and chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah. But here, the, the, yeah. the conflict, and I think a lot of parents go through this, is that we both love food. We're both in the industry. I don't want food to be a point of stress in their life. And so I don't want to have a fight at the dinner table. I don't want it to seem like something I'm making them do. So I, I think that I'm willing to kind of let them eat these very plain foods until they're ready, just in the interest of keeping food a sort of happy experience. Yeah. How old are your kids now? Uh, eight and five. Okay. So. Are they aware that... I mean, do they know uh, you and Wiley are such major players in the food world? <laughs> I don't know. Power couple, I could call you. Uh, the power, yeah. The I know where the power is in our house, and it's not it's not in our hands. Um, no, they know. You know, Wiley has a donut shop now, and yes. so uh, you know it, everything's dreamy for them because they don't. They just get to eat donuts. All yeah, the time. no, I would think the kids would support his his venture there. <laughs> yeah. We try to, you know, we take them out to eat. We want them to get used to eating in restaurants, but we have to go to places that mm-hmm. serve, will serve plain pasta. <laughs> right, well, kids. So, so what 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 advice would you give to someone maybe that wants to get into food journalism? And we just had a we just had a huge class of uh, forty students from Penn State, in, and I, they were all looking like for this magical answer. How do I do this? How do I become you? I'll say a couple of things. One thing we noticed when we interview is how um, uh, when we're going through resumes, and sometimes we have a stack of fifty resumes. The one thing we're looking for is that is that you're passionate about the field. I would sooner take someone who does not have a degree in journalism or in food if I could just see that they're super passionate about the topic and you can see signs of it on a Mm -hmm. resume but we you know we'll have people who go to great schools and come in with zero experience and no passion for for what we're doing that can make all the difference like I said the reason we're kind of able to produce two magazines right now is because everyone really loves what they're doing so I mean that's a that's a super obvious answer but I think it's easy when you're just coming out of school to talk yourself into jobs that aren't right for you it's hard to walk out the door if there's a job opening that you might get. If you don't care about it, I, I feel like it's it's a hard decision to make, but maybe it's better to go into something you, you love. I No, I think that's great advice, and it's true. Yeah, you, I mean, being passionate about something and uh, what do they say then, then – like if you do what you love, you then you're never working a day of your life. Or, I mean, yeah. it really does feel like that's so. Yeah, it's a very, we've heard it before, but you can tell in the interview too. You cannot fake it. I can I can always tell when someone's not actually when they really right. don't care. We once hired. I had a long conversation with HR because we had hired a woman who was a vegetarian. I was like, you know, this might be hard for her. Like we do these big stories where it'll be like the best burger in every state or we're whatever barbecue there's a lot there's meat Mm -hmm. in our in our magazine and I thought it might be hard and he's like I think she'll be okay we hired her she really only lasted like six months because it just you know it was yeah a point of stress for her because the half is over not half but a lot of it she couldn't vegetarian times and (laughs) there are other places (laughs) no well yeah it's a food magazine there's so uh, I could see that being challenging but 
I actually I wasn't sure where you were going to go with that a little bit. I thought maybe she overcame it, or, or was that, oh, you know try, I like, feel like started eating bacon and came around. No, or, uh, yeah, <laughs> but no, I could I could see it. I could see that challenging, but she got her no, six months left. of experience. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. We're going to take another break and then we're going to come back and we're going to play my speedrun game and talk a little industry news. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. One hundred Bogart Street is finally open and ready for Bushwick. 100 Bogart is a brand new, state-of-the-art co-working space that provides turnkey workspaces, including open layout desks, meeting spaces, and furnished private offices. Members have access to top-notch amenities such as custom furniture, high-speed internet, spacious kitchenettes with coffee and tea, printers, scanners, and much more. Alongside their professional work environment, 100 Bogart also provides exclusive educational programming for any curious entrepreneur. Heritage Radio Network has made their new office home at 100 Bogart and will host many events there in the future. For more information about their co-working space, visit 100bogart.com and become a member to network, create, and educate. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Miley Carpenter. It's time for my speed round game. What this is, is I I name a couple things and you pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. So, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? I guess I should say or take out. (laughs) Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Chopped or beat Bobby Flay? I can't. Oh, well, or any true. other. I can't. I can't. That I have to. <laughs> that's not a fair one for me. You're, you were going so fast and awesome. I don't want to screw you up. <laughs> of course, Bobby Flay. Oh, okay. Cool. This is, an, this is a, the easiest one of them all. Dews or Dunkins? Oh, Dews. Dews. That's Dews Donuts. Wiley's Donuts. They're fabulous. People should go get them. Okay. How about cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. The game. You're awesome. You're so quick. A lot of people get stuck and want to mm-hmm. have a whole long time conversation <laughs> about everything. So, yeah. Yeah, no, everyone's different. It's it's fun. So, uh, time for industry news. The article I picked out was on Bloomberg by Kate Crater, and it's entitled, Let There Be Light, New York Restaurants Emerge from Dark Dining Era. Around the city, restaurateurs have decided that the days of dim romantic lighting are over and not just because people want to be able to Instagram their meals. So um, I don't, I mean, this Kate gave a, 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 a few arguments or, or points of as to why dining rooms have, have gotten lighter. Um, I do think 
personally, social media and the Instagram is a major part mm-hmm. of it because everyone is taking pictures of the food these days. And a dark restaurant, you just you can't get good photos. I actually have when I you know social media influencers, uh, if if I'm they're going into clients of mine, they're requesting to go in at lunchtime because oh, they wow. want the natural mm-hmm. light. So um, yeah, what's your what's your take well, on this? I care more about. Um, my dining experience than my social media, than the social media <laughs> end of it. Um, so I would it, Wiley and I fight about this all the time because I like dim lighting mm-hmm. and I'm always you know I, I the romance of of a of a room like that. So we're at home. We're constantly we, we just we just renovated and every single light in the apartment is on a dimmer because we can't agree on how bright it should that's be. That's a good co- that's a good fair compromise or and that works. That dimmer yeah. is constantly getting moved up and down because he you know when he's in the kitchen he likes it to be super bright and he would he even wants the dining room to be brighter and I'm always turning it down. Yeah. I, I personally at home keep it pretty dim. I'm a more dim person, but I do like I, I take pictures of my food and it's it is challenging in a restaurant, but I would still I like dim restaurants. I mean I think one of the points Kate was saying in the story was about the Japanese influence mm-hmm. and how uh they're they're all about transparency and it's true when you go to a sushi restaurant or in a Japanese restaurant it is light and right. they can see yep. the food and and it's still yet comfortable and can be cozy or romantic. I don't but know. So but does it just maybe different. depends on what you're eating. You're absolutely right. When you're eating sushi, I'm more willing to do that. But I don't want to be eating like a, a really cozy sort of comfort food on a cold winter night in a room that's like lit up like the six train, you know. And as you go <laughs> in and you're like, oh, you can definitely see my pimples right now. It's really bright in here. Yeah. So I, would, I would prefer like, you know, that they all help us out with the lighting. <laughs> Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see if what, like, if this is a trend or, I mean, it's, it was the Edison light bulbs and the whole dark mm-hmm. ambiance that took off how many, whatever, 10 plus years ago, and especially in New York and cities, you know, and everyone started copying that and it's everywhere still, but I don't know if we're going to see like super bright restaurants, but I I do notice though dining out that sometimes I feel there are lights positioned specifically over tables for the fact that people are taking pictures right. of their food. Yeah. I mean, this is a great story, and Kate's the perfect person to write it because she literally, I mean, she's eating yeah. out every night. So no no one has a better sense of what's going on in the whole city than Kate. So I, yeah, I enjoyed no, this story. I did too. It's, it's uh, yeah, she, she knows her stuff, and um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to see what's happening how things are changing because of social media or whatever other influence. So I'm terrible. I should I should probably post more of my food, but you're right. It doesn't my photos never come out in any sense. Do you do you take fo- I mean I I, try. I take I, photos of I I sit down for a meal and I'm I try to be quick, but I I have this habit now. I have to take a picture of of everything. I mean I I forget. I often forget. Okay. Well, I forget yeah. to take a picture of it and sometimes I forget to share it with Wiley. So we're like we're meant to share it and then I'll just like finish the appetizer before I, <laughs> before he gets to try it. So I I need to remember to stop and you know, but does I think he, I don't know how chefs feel. Sometimes I feel like they want us to just dig in and, and, yeah. and enjoy it without. Well, how does he feel? I mean, is he does he take pictures of all Sometimes. The food too? Yeah, we're yeah. we're both saying like if we can't get a good shot of it and sometimes I just sometimes I just don't want to have my phone with me at all. Right. I want to you know, have meals start to finish, just sort of enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, well, that, 
there was, I forget what restaurant, but there was something. Oh, I know. It was Marco Canora of Hearth. He was saying he started something like he put a box on the table for people to put their phones in so they would feel like they could put it away for the meal and have a conversation with their friend. I don't know how that's working out. But <laughs> yeah, we he, should check back in with him. Yeah, that's yeah it, was, it was recent. It was, a, I don't know, maybe like a month or two ago. So, yeah, I'll have to, we'll have to see. So. Okay, so that was industry news. We're going to take one more break and come back and do my solo dining experience, and we'll have the final question. So uh, stick around. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back this, to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Biggie's. Here's the rundown. The location, 3739 Clinton Street, New York City. The concept, a hearty sandwich shop on the Lower East Side. The chef and owner, Dewey Dufresne. Why did I go? Because Wiley Dufresne's, it's... It's Wiley Dufresne's dad, and he's making sandwiches. I mean, how could you not want to go? My experience. So over Thanksgiving weekend, I headed downtown, and uh, I was warmly greeted when I entered. I asked uh, the some of the, the cooks behind the counter what I should get, their favorites, and basically they recited the entire menu to me. So I was left on my own to pick, and that was just fine. I ended up getting the Biggie Bird which is the tur- a turducken on sliced marble rye bread. It has chicken liver pate, wilted red onion, smoked duck breast, warm turkey breast, melted Munster cheese, roast tomatoes, artichoke, hearts, arugula, and mango mayonnaise. And this was over Thanksgiving weekend, so it was kind of fitting. And my take, it was delicious. It was, it was an amazing combo. And the bread was super fresh. I asked where it was from, and they said Levain's. The ambiance, it's a low-key counter service shop with storefront windows and a handful of seats. I'd say it's perfect for sandwich cravings. Interesting tidbit. Wiley's dad first introduced his Biggie Beef Sandwich at the Feast of San Gennaro in 2011. He secured his space in 2015 and had to deal with construction and some permitting delays. And then... um, took six years, but he opened, and it's f- fantastic. So my personal fun fact is 
I, I stopped in. I wasn't planning to eat that much because uh, I was going to take it to go, but I started eating the sandwich and I ate way more than I intended to. It was delicious. And the woman behind the counter was so sweet. She packed it up for me. And I really, the hospitality there was, was really great. I, I'm looking forward to going back. So the cost was $13.50. That's not including any tax or gratuity. Would I go back? As I said, yes. And their website is biggies.com. And that's spelled B-Y-G-G-Y-Z, which is really cool. And I think I on my Instagram post, I put go, go biggies or go home. <laughs> <laughs> that's my tagline for them. So, um, yeah. So Dewey, Wiley's dad, really amazing. I'm my and for people maybe not might not have picked up or they should have but um your husband Wiley so Dewey did you have you had many of his sandwiches before he opened the shop yeah he's been a sandwich fan forever and he used to run a sandwich shop in Providence so oh. this goes back way way back way back it's cool yeah i think it's it's <laughs> it was it was fun going so it's i think people should go down to the lower east side check it out okay so it's time for the final question so my my I had a little switcheroo with my guest for next week, and I'm. It's most likely going to be Jim Leahy, who is the head chef, baker, owner of Sullivan Street Bakery and Co. Restaurant in New York City. He also has a a new wholesale Sullivan Street Bakery outlet in Miami, and he has a new book out, the Sullivan Street Bakery Cookbook, and. Yeah, I get people listening to my show. You'll have to stay tuned. I think it's going to be Jim next week, and if it's not next week, it will be another time. So, Miley, can you please ask a question for Jim? Um, sure, Jim. Excuse um, <coughs> me. Let's pretend all of your restaurants and outlets are closed, and you have to order a pizza. Who do you call? Ah, tricky. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I will find out. So. Um, Thank you. That's the show. And I, I've i just, you know, I, as I said earlier, like we've known each other in the industry a long time and I've just, I'm a big fan of yours. I'm impressed with your whole career and I just appreciate you taking the time to come on my show and I wish you much continued success. I'm a fan as well. Thank Aww, you for having thank me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and people need to go out and get your Food Network magazine. I'm looking at this happy baking cover. <laughs> lots of Lots of holiday tips. So thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So to recap, my guest today has been Miley Carpenter. She's the editor-in-chief of Food Network Magazine. Their website is foodnetwork.com backslash magazine. You can find her on Instagram at Miley underscore FN mag and on Twitter at Miley Carpenter and also at Food Network. You can find me on both Instagram and Twitter at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. And all of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher. So thanks again to Miley. Thanks to Hertz Hearst, Executive Director of PR, Nathan Christopher. And to my show's engineer, Vitor. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next week at 4 p.m. with another live show. It may be Jim. It may be someone else. So please stay tuned. It's my last show of 2017. And uh, I hope you'll tune in then. And thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye.
for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.